0: All right, ready, three, two, one, go. So, hey everyone, happy Friday, officially. Uh, welcome to the Dash podcast. This is episode 213, and uh, it used to be a weekly show way back in the Dash Force days. And then after that, um, I took it to this channel, and that was about four years ago, actually, I think the twenty eighth or the twenty ninth is gonna be the four year anniversary of the first episode of this on my own channel as opposed to the old one. So I've been doing this this show for a very long time. Um and it's monthly now basically it was. It was I started doing it every other week and then I just realized I just started having a lot of the same people on. It's just it's very hard to do a weekly podcast on just one project anyway. And I feel like the you have a much bigger event for for this sort of thing, but um, and I'm joined by the one and only Age of Doge. Um, I've had Hello. You, I've had you on under your slave name before, um, but since a lot of the the stuff is under that pseudonym, I figure might as well just throw the pseudonym out there. You know, make that work out. Um, how are you doing, dude? Oh, excellent.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. How about you?
0: I'm doing pretty well. I mean, I've done. I had a a biz dev call at one and then I had a podcast at two and then I did a podcast at three and now I have a podcast at four and then I have Mm a, a hard out in a little over an hour, just about an hour to, um, to go to an uh, evening obligation. So yeah, it's a, it's quite the busy day. Um, I've been working very hard and, uh, as some might have, well, maybe I'll save that for the the actual show part of things to, to start out with a little update. But um, let me just switch to um, the Shilla Clock, the um, um, Coin ETM Radar, because they, they decided to sponsor the podcast. And I'm very, very grateful to them um, for that. So um, let me pull up the the actual script thingy but so anyway this podcast is sponsored by coin atm radar when buying crypto with cash an atm is much more reliable and safer than meeting some random person in a random place and unlike an exchange which could freeze your account you truly own all the crypto you buy with coin atm radar you can find crypto atms and other services where you can buy or sell cryptocurrencies for cash which is kind of the what i've mostly used them for because like when i travel and i don't have euros or something Put some dash into the machine get some 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 fake money out right and so on their website you search by coin address if the atm supports selling as well as buying which is again the coin selection and that are very big for me and also you can search by geo area etc you can also check and compare actual current fees from different atms if you want to find out more go to coinatmradar.com which is c-o-i-n-a-t-m-r-a-d-a-r dot com so now that's out of the way. Um, when I scheduled this podcast, I didn't really have too much of a very of like a specific agenda, right? I just, I just, um, I seen you posting a lot of stuff on mostly X, right? But like some video content, especially analyzing, uh, basically economic effects on say price and market cap and especially about dash but on other stuff as well from usage as a currency and yeah, we're kind of at this interesting spot where the hype trains of crypto are all over the place it's now pretty obvious that like meme coins not just doge but other meme coins as well can do quite well and have staggering market caps for some reason and then utility coins can be quite undervalued, in fact. Or it's, there's this weird disparity. And the, the, for a while, like Dash is focused, Dash in particular, but a lot of different coins. You could say Zcash as well, Bitcoin Cash. Litecoin is a big example because they're getting a lot of usage for money purposes and not a lot of love from the market cap. There's just, and even Monero before the Binance delisting was doing okay, but not fantastic. And despite having ever increasing usage. And so there's just a lot of, you know, thoughts of like, why even work as a peer-to-peer electronic cash system if you go broke doing that? So I started to see some of your stuff analyzing that. Um, would you mind kind of just, I don't know, where did you, where did you start doing that, or what made you, what prompted you, and just kind of the background of you doing these um, analytics, I guess.
1: Well, I I always wanted to make little videos explaining things because I feel like I end up explaining the same core concepts to people over and over again and I I you know, and a lot of times people ask me too, you know, where where can I see this or, you know, what's a what's a good place to to find this kind of information and I don't really have anywhere to point them most of the time for specific things. Um so I actually at first I was going to do like little um Little videos that kind of demonstrate economic concepts, and uh, I, I still might, but I think it requires a little bit more animation. But I'm always playing around with numbers and spreadsheets and looking at and trying to find interesting ways to compare things. And um, I just decided to turn some of those into videos, um, especially in you know, in relation to Dash and other payment coins, because it just it seems so odd to me how no one in the crypto space seems to actually care about using it as money and i think that i you know obviously it's easier to just say oh it's a store of value or oh the price will is going up and will keep going up because it's always been going up Mm -hmm. that's that's a it's a lazier thing to do um than to actually promote real usage on the network um the thing about it, though, is it's kind of like selling a stock by telling people that the stock price is going up. But if underneath that there isn't a, a business or, you know, there isn't a product or a service that does anything for anyone. All that really backs it is speculation. And mm-hmm. I I feel like that's where the crypto space is at largely there's there's a few things that work on top of it especially in in you know ethereum um but they're pretty minor compared to the 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 market cap and the you know the uh most of the money moving around is moving between exchanges or you know from from one speculative use to another speculative use and there's very little in the way of actual economic activity of of any form on any of these networks And I think maybe people have really underplayed the potential value of that. I think there's a lot of real value that can be had in the currency use case. And it's it's a stable value once you get people using it. Once you have a a base of users that puts a floor on where your price can go. I, I think most of the cryptocurrencies right now don't really have a floor because there isn't really any real usage. And even in the case of uh, you know the ones that are being used, if you took speculation out of it, I don't think there's anything left. I think real world commerce. They're just you know you can argue, hey, is Litecoin ahead of Dash by you know ten times, fifty times? I mean, maybe they are, but I mean, pennies fifty times pennies isn't a lot of you know. If you compare all of the crypto uh, spending as currency combined and put it next to you know apple pay and paypal and visa and mastercard it doesn't show up on the chart it's a it's, it's zero it's just yeah statistical
0: you know zero probably.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's completely irrelevant so i think the idea of coins competing against each other makes absolutely no sense um i i think we we have yet to reach the moment where we we see any coin really come ahead in adoption so um I don't think I, don't, I think the network effect of any of the coins at this point, as far as usage goes, is so small, it's not even relevant. Um, and I kind of wanted to demonstrate uh, mm-hmm. with with some some numbers in the best way I could could figure out how to how yeah. um, what the influence of that would be on the price of coins or what it would be on the profitability in the case of Dash on master notes. And it's pretty substantial.
0: Uh, yeah. So I have all those slides that you sent over, put up, I'm going to hit on a couple of other things first. So as you might've seen, I tweeted out from the dash count, um, the grayscale report thing. And I'm going to throw that up on the screen. It's about that. Basically grayscale put out some report at the end, you know, from average from March to September, 2023 of active users versus market capitalization. They have this like curve going up and, Somewhere around like the middle of the curve, as far as market cap versus users, you have dash and Dash is at the very bottom of that that chart that goes up where the market cap is very bottom despite the usage of the actual like average users or daily users was relatively high like and so like dash is for example um competing in the same ballpark as for example, Algo and uh, Bitcoin Cash and Doge and XRP. XRP is at the very top of that same line, meaning the same number of active users of XRP, according to Grayscale's research. Again, it's always harder to tell 100%. But roughly, Dash is at the same uh, usage as something like XRP for daily usage and Doge, yet at a very tiny fraction of the market cap. In fact, um, let me see, what is... um. Um, ripple right now as far as the market cap ripple is what 29 billion mm-hmm. so roughly uh, 10x like 100x almost so dash is valued at like 1% of what a, <laughs> a much less centralized much less decentralized but also similarly used maybe according to grayscale's research maybe coin. according to them yeah, that's what it, that's what it is. And so there's clearly tons of speculation mm-hmm. versus usage. And then the other metric I like to throw up is, of course, the crypto fees info um, chart, which if this was a if these were companies and not networks, this would be revenue. And Ethereum is the king by a massive amount. Right. The one day fees are 16 million is what, in the one-day fees the Ethereum network generates. Uniswap, which is part of Ethereum, right, is number two at 2.1 million basically a day. And Bitcoin is 1.45. And so that's how much these things generate. And obviously these are big players. You got a BNB smart chain, Arbitrum, Optimism, like all the L2 stuff. And as you start to scroll down, you hit, finally you get to Dogecoin way down the list but it's still relatively high. It's like middle of the pack, maybe at 8,500 or so. Now, these days, as opposed to like just four months ago or whatever, Mm -hmm. Doge is putting some real numbers on the board. There are millions of transactions a day on the Dogecoin network, all with very low fees, but like you add them up and now Dogecoin is probably the best example of just in pure fee revenue, what you could expect from having a highly adopted by crypto standards, I guess, Mm -hmm. payment type chain and i don't i mean i think they are mostly doing like inscriptions and you know trash like <laughs> i'm not saying you know i'm not yeah. judging people who want to use it but it's not and then you go down to um like ripple is only making like one and a half grand monero is half that litecoin is also like 800 or so and you get to bitcoin cash is generate like 100 bucks a day in fees which is wow that's very low and then decred is 50 something and i'm sure dash is somewhere in the decred to um, Bitcoin cash kind of range. So that's kind of the the scoreboard more or less for pure revenue as far as like fee revenue. Um, before we move on to your stuff, uh, what are your initial thoughts on that?
1: Um, those numbers are pretty interesting. Um, my, my main takeaway is just that they're all really small. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all trivially small. Um, compared to the the, the relative, uh, you know, public knowledge and investment in some of those networks. Um, they're just, you know, uh, obviously you need to ramp up actual usage by many orders of magnitude before these become self-sustainable systems. And, you know, that was always gonna be the case. That's why there's a built-in block reward on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you have time uh, to make the system sustainable. Um, now, if, if we want that to happen though, we actually have to put users on it at some point. Uh, because if you, if you just eat the block reward and decide everything's gonna be okay as long as more people keep dumping in money but nobody ever uses it, uh, you're eventually gonna run into a situation where it just doesn't work anymore. Um, where it's not economically viable to maintain the system and um you know <laughs> i don't know when that happens but it has to happen eventually you you can't you can't run an economically unsustainable system forever because there isn't an infinite amount of money that's going to pour into that system forever
0: yeah so the there's a kind of a couple economic things at play here um clearly the reason why the money goes, the price goes up is because people buy it and they buy it because buying, having this, this asset provides them with utility. And sometimes utility is, I hope it goes up, you know, which is, mm-hmm. that's not a lasting utility, but it is a utility of sorts, you know? Um, and when the, the pure crypto info perspective is kind of like, it's sort of the opposite of that in a certain extent. It's, it's two sides of the same coin, no pun intended, right? But it's, if you are generating millions and billions in revenue a day, for example, if you're generating a ton of revenue like that, um, then if you stake or you mine this coin, you get that money. And so from a proof of stake type perspective or something with a proof of service model like Dash with Masternodes, then that makes that does drive the price up. If you're saying, "Wow, I can make all this money in addition to just the block reward inflation," like this is all fee revenue, it's worth buying for that purpose. And on another level, if you have if you're like if I buy a hundred dollars worth of Dash and I use it to transact or whatever, and if I pay a hundred and two dollars for that hundred dollars worth of Dash the utility if the utility of using it as a payment system if it's nice and smooth and just works and i can send it to my friends all over it's so great um, i'm willing to to take that hit i guess i'm willing to put pump the price by paying overpaying slightly and if enough people do that right then that that rises the price if there is utility beyond just the pure you know that kind of pure parity so those are kind of the price adjustment mechanisms of there those are some of them right of Mass usage, contributing to a higher valuation. I don't know what other things you want to add into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you. I don't think how much the 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 fee is or how much individual people pay really matters until we we up the user base by you know mm. ten million, a hundred million. We we really this only works at scale. Um, and I I think we should we should think about the cryptocurrency projects as though they're startups mm-hmm. and the people who are buying these coins are venture capitalists, putting money into the system, the miners, mm-hmm. stakers, uh, whatever else the network might be paying out. Uh, those are vendors. Those are, those are resource that that's like the, the startup is paying its power bill It's paying its hosting service. It's paying, you know, whatever else it uses as a startup. Um, and, People see the valuation go up every time there's another fundraise, except here it's, you know, every few seconds on an exchange instead of, you know, once in a while. Um, but the effect is the same. It's People are are continue to buy into the thing that has potential. Um, and then more people buy in and it looks like it has more potential because more people bought in. So the number keeps going up and up and up. Um, and this isn't a bad model. We have a lot of companies that used this. Mo- I mean, Amazon lost money for a long, long time, um, and people kept dumping money into it. Uh, a lot of other companies have been like that. But these companies created viable products that would eventually turn enough profit to make the system sustainable and start paying out a benefit to the shareholders. Yeah, um,
0: and I guess the yeah. the the nuance what you're saying there is. They weren't profitable, but they did have lots of revenue. Like they Amazon, were building something, yeah, yeah that and would
1: that, generate future. And not revenue. just
0: building something like Amazon building a site and advertising and stuff, but like Amazon mm-hmm. turning over product.
1: Yes, they they were engaging in real world economic activity, and I I don't know if people just don't care about that and think everything will be fine without it, or if they don't really believe that cryptocurrencies can be leveraged for real real economic value um from where i'm sitting it seems very obvious both that they can be and that there's an enormous uh potential in that
0: yeah i mean i would agree it's kind of an interesting point of view where um bitcoin um, as the trailblazer obviously was just worth just nothing just such nothing like nothing at all and then people speculate on you got a little bit of value here and there and then people were like i'm let me do 5000 a pop for these pizzas and whoever accepted those pizzas did so speculatively mostly where they're like yeah i guess like but it's probably going to do some extra value but like they still okay and then you prove the use case then you had like satoshi dice where people were like oh this is useful i want to play these little online dice, dice games i want to and then that was actual utility with a bunch of transactions still values like and We have to say that despite all this, Bitcoin, I'm sure, had a ton of positive uh, speculation from cypherpunks and freedom lovers and stuff who were just like, this is. there's nothing like this. This is, you know, everything. And then you hit the Silk Road, where now the rubber hits the road. And I've never been a customer of the Silk Road, as I've already pointed out, not because it should need to be said, but everything I I choose to buy these days is fully legal. I don't need to do something like that. But... The point is there's a giant market for not being stuff that you can't buy in legacy systems. And the money you use for that, you cannot use digitally. You cannot roll up a hundred dollar bill and stuff it in your USB port. It doesn't work that way. There's no digital cash. But with digital cash, which is what Bitcoin was, there was an actual product market fit an actual utility to that. And kind of after that, in my opinion, almost everything else that happened to Bitcoin has been speculating, like it proved the use case that this could be huge. And then speculative money followed that very proven utility. When the utility kind of shifted, I would say half of Bitcoin's utility got taken away. The other half of, you know, it still works for the things that worked before, but only at like large industrial scales, only at institutional Mm -hmm. scale, not at the individual scale. So half the utility got destroyed. The other half is still there and just enough speculation keeps piling on top of it that it just it kind of is has coasted into like it's now part of the economic system kind of and a growing part of the economic system but it's just like i think it's it's value is kind of capped there and then of course you have all these other coins which had so so like if you look at the value and i did actually look at this in the past by the way when you charted dash's market cap or versus its transaction volume compared to Bitcoin, Dash was severely overvalued for many, many years. And I don't think it's very specific to Dash. I think all altcoins, right, had the same effect where Bitcoin had to prove real utility to a certain extent before people threw money at it. Altcoins already took Bitcoin's proven utility and they just threw money at it. And so, yeah, now we're at the point where it's just like, all right, no more money being thrown at you.
1: yeah it's it's a bizarre situation um yeah yeah
0: (laughs) for sure and um, i actually had an argument with some dude on telegram today who was like obviously making assumptions right but seems like a an investor who did not do well and is upset and saying oh we need to like stop chasing this digital cash thing it's not working and all that kind of stuff and um yeah basically i don't know what else there is at this point right especially not for like this is a a cryptocurrency that people that only ever tried to facilitate payments in the beginning it was adding privacy to these payments and then it was just adding a lot of other cool things to these payments to make them work better and it's just Mm -hmm. never been anything but that the master boom came and went the evo master boom came and really went right and payment volume has steadily increased to a certain extent kind of we don't have the growth we'd like to see i'm really working on it for this year and the next year but it's that's kind of where we're at and i don't think there's any way out of this other than turning over users right so (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think Dash has some other things going for it that could potentially uh, be a big deal, like the the way that platform stores and updates data compared to Ethereum and all the Ethereum-like chains, I think is something that has just insane potential. And I don't mm-hmm. understand why every other network insists on putting every little bit of start smart contract data, no matter how trivial or stupid, into the blockchain permanently and then paying for that forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems completely absurd to me and uh everybody's trying to work out how to how to do that sustainably forever rather than just you know the, the dash platform state changes are they're genius it it's a beautiful mm-hmm. system um i can't wait to see how that plays out uh i i kind of look at that as the gravy on top though we have a a really functional um payment system right now and i think that alone has far more potential than than bitcoin can possibly reach or than probably most of the other cryptos um not that that's saying much i i think most of the cryptos higher valued than dash are quite literally useless as far as any any kind of real economic use yeah lower Um, use some of them blatantly so (laughs) so Um,
0: dogecoin is an interesting example because i think dogecoin is a fantastic corollary for all of crypto in that there it's kind of a joke and a meme and that's why people throw money at it for the most part Mm -hmm. it also at its core kind of does something very useful but not in a unique way compared to the rest of the cryptos like everything can kind of do what dogecoin does and so doge is like it is it is the, the space as long as doge is in the top coins that's a, a very great marker for the rest of the space the rest of the space is based on some weird mix of speculation and like the the base utility of cryptocurrency like the satoshi invented stuff but not much extra that's kind of a lot of the space really
1: I mean, as absurd as it is, I, I frankly think Dogecoin belongs in the top ten. I'm hard pressed to think of ten coins that I that I think are better, more useful to me. More used <laughs> you know? for sure. More used. I mean people yeah. do use Dogecoin. It's uh it's probably uh one of the most used as an actual currency coins. Um, the reasons I, I don't place it ahead of Dash, um uh, in my own personal preferences, uh, because I think uh, you know Dash has some technical things going for it that are just way more important in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dogecoin works; uh, it works as a currency. It does what Bitcoin originally intended to do. Um, I, I'd be more gung ho on it if I had some confidence that it was, you know, going to be continue to be developed and supported indefinitely. You mm-hmm. know it. Yeah it seems like it gets a hype boost and suddenly a bunch of people want to develop for it and keep it going and make sure the nodes still connect. And then, you know, it dies down and then you, you can't sync up your wallet anymore. And it, you know, is it going to do that again? You know, can it, can it reach a level where it maintains interest? Uh, will it ever get advanced features? Uh, you know, I don't know. As this it stands, <laughs> as it, yeah, as it stands, it's pretty nice. Um, it's it's fairly usable it's cheap to use it does what it's supposed to do um and given its relative user base i you know i think it it deserves the relative position it has mm-hmm. is that position should that position be worth twelve billion dollars in market cap probably not um but i think that's a you know that's yeah. a bigger
0: issue of the overall well crypto space before we hit on some of these slides um we did have a one time, um, oops, one time super chat. He just said, um, I hope the age of crypto adoption is approaching. The market dominated by speculators eventually needs to see the need for usable crypto money. When many people own or have exposure to crypto, they should naturally become interested in how to spend it. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with him there. And there, there's an interesting point he kind of threw in there, which is it seems like there's the cart before the horse a little bit. But now that the cart's before the horse, you start to pay attention to the horse. And so because so many people own crypto, like the entire, one of my favorite companies in the space, of course, and I think you'd agree is Spritz Finance because they let you in, especially in the US, living 100% off of crypto with just one service. Of course, you have to KYC, but it's non-custodial, and that's great. And they're in the process of integrating Instant Send for Dash, as they say. We're going to do a big announcement at some point next week, in, you know, teaser, but whatever. They have support Dash for a while, uh, but they started, they launched exclusively on Polygon, and then they did a few other EVM stuff and Avalanche and stuff, and then finally. Thanks to, I I started talking to them, but Kanuker, our good friend, sealed the deal, got them to integrate Dash. And then when they went for Dash, they just added Bitcoin too, because why not Bitcoin too, right? And, but the point is they went the EVM route first because their entire thing was, a lot of people are doing DeFi stuff. They have DeFi gains. They want to spend their DeFi gains and it's a pain to off-ramp to your bank. So let's just make a service that makes it a breeze. Just, you know, easy. And so that is kind of what one Time's talking about a little bit. There is the whole people are having crypto. They're going to want to figure out how to spend it. And I guess the dash mm-hmm. market positioning is to make sure that dash is just hovering outside every single area where people are making money in crypto and just like catch them on the way out and plug them into like, you'd be the payment rails on the way out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a, our, our kind of thing. So, um, do you want to talk about these slides? I don't know how how well in your your mind do you have them, but um,
1: uh, we'll find out, I guess. Um, uh, no, uh, I mean they're pretty much just picked out of my yeah. out of my videos the first there. First one, but I
0: dash think, profitability um, at scale. I'm showing the two X per year thing. Yeah, so chat about this one a little bit.
1: Yeah, so a while ago i I did some calculations as to you know what I wanted to find out if the dash network would be sustainable from an economic perspective at visa level scale so you know i i kind of i looked up numbers for you know what are the costs of running the network what are the block rewards going to be that's assume a, a price point of uh, a fee of uh, you know a penny a transaction and see you know will this be viable will people still be able to afford to run nodes what will the income look like um and then uh i went to update that since the uh the adjustments with uh Um, how the masternode rewards break out and, you know, some time had passed and and other things had changed. Um, So uh, which slide actually are you looking at? Am I I supposed to be able to see it?
0: Bar. (laughs) If you look at like the YouTube or X or whatever, it's it's the one that's, it's just the bar graph with the green bar graph by year and um, profitability, I guess. I don't know what, what this figure is. Like the lowest number here which is like a 2043 is almost gonna hit is 500,000. What is the 500,000 500, what? Is that USD or what is that?
1: Um, that's a that's a good question. I <laughs> I thought I'd be able to see the chart while we were doing this. Yeah, um, so um, I actually don't, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure which chart you're looking at. And for some yeah. reason, my computer doesn't want to open these files on this computer. Yeah. Um, so it's
0: in um Discord. Also, if you just open the YouTube video, it should be up on the screen by now.
1: Oh open the YouTube video.
0: Yeah, the most um, recent part right there. So dash profitability at scale, two X per year. Profitability of master masternodes at scale given current price. Okay. And the figures are from five hundred thousand up to four point five million. And okay. here's yeah, this one, it starts at 2024 and it's like, I can't even see the data, it's so small until 2037. Yeah, so I
1: see it. what I did here is I just assumed a doubling of transaction volume every year up to 2045, which is the point at which you basically match Visa level. Um, I didn't think there was uh, too much um, point in going past that. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is basically extrapolating for that and assuming a one penny per transaction fee uh, this is how profitable masternodes would be at the current price. Um, and, you know, the current price at the time was like, I don't know, $28 or something. Um, yeah. I think there's a, I think the next slide is a spreadsheet that kind of shows this. Uh, yeah. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Let me, well, switch back to the, the stream um, but so, so those... annual anyway
1: yeah that's 3.5 million a year of course that's in okay. today's money and that's assuming uh today's dash price which i don't think would stay the same at all of course if but it's so, scaled
0: so that's basically and by by profit you mean revenue minus expenses right for revenue yes revenue street.
1: minus expenses so not only would it be economically sustainable to run master nodes at scale it'd be extremely profitable even if the price of dash yes. doesn't actually go up
0: it, we're talking um, about just doubling transactions, so we're, we're talking about twenty twenty four. Let's just say fifteen thousand a day or something, and then thirty thousand, and then sixty thousand, and which is pretty freaking slow growth. Which yeah, uh, it, it's historically it's is accurate, maybe but exactly like, that. Hmm. But yeah,
1: um, for a while the the costs stay mostly flat until you get to a certain point, then server costs start to go up dramatically.
0: Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm going to do the spreadsheet. What now? So it's okay. just the transactions, fee income, fee per node, etc etc profit. And so twenty twenty-four and I guess this yeah. is an this is an annual thing, right? Is as far as
1: uh the charts annual. Yeah. Um this is monthly here on the spreadsheet. Okay.
0: So it's um, yeah, four hundred and twenty-two thousand transactions. Mm-hmm. Per month, which is you know low, but whatever, that's where we're at. The fee income is four point two grand about per per month for everything. Per node, it's like eighty four cents, right? And I'm sure there's got to be. Did you account for miners in this as well or not?
1: Well, this is this is just the master node part of the
0: okay part of the equation.
1: So this doesn't account for the how much the network's paying miners. Mm -hmm. Um, I did I did do a separate sheet on that at some somewhere but um, yeah well
0: just as long yeah. as this is like accurate so per node a yeah. and makes 84 cents right now basically and then yeah per, per no longer yeah and then server costs 10 bucks a month so blah 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 income and then there you go so and so the the per block node income that's like the that's the inflation right the issuance right
1: uh yeah the block income that's yeah
0: yeah, so that's going down clearly.
1: It's going um, down because we have our you know 7% our drop, <laughs> our, yeah seven percent drop every year, and then the uh, the income actually briefly goes down there. You can see in the chart at a certain point.
0: Yeah, it starts going uh, back up, up in twenty twenty nine.
1: Now, of course, you have to remember that these are some there's a bunch of assumptions in here, right? Like yeah. I'm assuming the price doesn't move. And frankly, I think the price is really low. So the chances that we doubled the transaction volume for six years in a row, and that doesn't move the price up at all is pretty unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, and, and also, you know, an actual 100% increase in transaction volume, even, at, even if say we do get to visa level by 2046, it's probably not going to be an even doubling every year it's probably going to be you know something goes viral one year and all of a sudden you have 10 million new people onboarded yeah um but i it really uh that i think is less important than just demonstrating what the the relative um you know profitability sustainability of the network is at every given level along the way because we don't Mm -hmm. know which of these levels we might sit at for a while
0: yeah and so like 20 30 feet per nine, eh. so um yeah the the flippening as i mentioned with this it tends to be like if you hit you know 2032 all of a sudden mm-hmm. from 2031 2032 is again this is the slow chart as you mentioned of course um so yeah that does start to happen this is again pure fee revenue without um without any effect on the price from all that buying
1: yeah, you're still getting the block reward, but the block reward is assumed to be still you know, $27 or whatever it was at the time I did the math.
0: Yeah, and that's an important thing with Dash is that the the block reward lasts a hell of a lot longer than a lot of other coins, which mm-hmm. in retrospect, maybe I, I can't tell if that's too long. Like you're just living well, off of VC money forever kind of thing. It or, made
1: Dash look less appealing in the short term because now the inflation rate's going down faster on some other coins however the whole point of that inflation rate was to keep the coins uh to keep to keep interest in supporting the network while it's not doing anything if if, if you're burning all of that and you haven't invested in actual users um i think that's a problem so dash probably has more time to figure this out than some of these other networks do
0: yeah, has time before, like, the flippening. And then you hit the Maya Protocol approach where you have no time. You just start out with no money. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, um, I think that that's, like, in some cases, some ways, the best way of doing things. But it's also very risky. It's very binary for your success. Mm-hmm. You just, you're just you going to crash or you're going to win, like, one of the two. Looks like Maya's doing great. So uh, this next slide here was, um, let me just see it's called a 3 3 to 8% sheet um let me just throw that up here um anyway it's profit percentage of investment annual it's like the i guess the annual ROI adjusted block income profit earnings ROI so yeah yeah
1: so i extended the sheet here to show uh, because and this is this part is specific to dash because it uh i established an upper limit on um let me look at this quick and make sure i'm saying the right thing mm-hmm. uh, i believe it was an upper limit on the um the number of master nodes mm-hmm. so i i put that at about six thousand now that's arbitrary obviously the number of master nodes is hard limited to the number of coins since there needs to be a thousand coins per master node mm-hmm. uh, so if you look down this chart at the bottom, obviously you can't have that many masternodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you, I, I just, I basically adjusted all the numbers um, to divide it amongst 6,000. Once it got past 6,000 or to adjust by, you know, the relevant percentage to show the necessary value that a masternode would have to increase by in order for the network to have that much economic activity by it. This is assuming that people don't speculate at all beyond that, that Mm. enough money comes into, into dash just to, to be what is, what is necessary to, uh, to keep the network supplying those, uh, those transactions, which, you know, I, I think it's a fairly safe assumption that the, the amount of money pouring in would be vastly greater than this, because as you can see, the return on investment goes insane at the same time. Um, so in this way even if there isn't pure price speculation people buying in just to get the masternode rewards would necessarily push the price up because of that hard limit and, yeah. and it would push it up by quite a lot
0: yeah oh uh, let me let's hit on this next slide then which is dash profit at eight percent it has the the green and the, the black chart here
1: ah uh, yes and i i think the um I'm trying to see if it's in that spreadsheet. It's very small on the screen. Yeah. Uh, so this one is basically locking the, uh, so because of uh, this, um, as more people invest or as more people transact, the people who invested are earning a higher percentage on the dash in their master notes, uh, especially considering that the price isn't moving because we're assuming mm-hmm. no price action. So even without any price action, that percentage goes up. Now, if we make the assumption that any time the, the return, uh, the, the annual payout for a master exceeds 8%, that people are going to keep buying in until it, uh, you know, until it goes back to 8%, uh, which is an arbitrary number, you know, of you course. could redo this with 10 or 20 or whatever you think is relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think 8% is a pretty competitive return. Um, so if people uh continue to buy into dash uh to maintain the eight percent this is uh um uh this is the now i really wish i had labeled these charts to make sure i say everything right but um you know i kind of just slid them into the video as i was uh as i was talking when i made this um yeah but i believe i believe this is a necessary price per coin Mm -hmm. um in order to maintain just what was on the previous spreadsheet
0: yeah so how that's um that starts to get pretty high pretty quick
1: yeah and the reason i show this only in those last years um is because it's also kind of arbitrary well it doubles every year and if you show a chart with like you know 20 years of doubling you just can't see the first half of the chart Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's just you can't see the difference between the black bar and the green bar and that's really what i'm trying to show here Uh, Mm -hmm. the black bar is the necessary increase due to economic activity not accounting for an adjustment to eight percent the green bar accounts for the eight percent so as you take in to account these different factors you start to get a better and better number and notice note i'm still not accounting for any price appreciation uh, partially that's because I want to show that there are huge economic gains to be had without any price speculation, uh, but mm-hmm. also I don't really want to speculate on price speculation because, you know, just knows? be completely arbitrary numbers that I would make up, mm-hmm. whereas these are not arbitrary numbers. these These numbers are pretty much hard-coded into the economic model that Dash runs on.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um,
1: Oh. And I, I want, I want my, my figures to be as, uh, you know, anchored to reality as possible.
0: Yeah, is relatively objective. And that is yeah. kind of interesting because um, a lot, this is one of those, and I can't, don't have time for a long rant on that, but it's one of those user experience deficiencies, I guess, in crypto is the actual crypto tokens are used as a speculative um, investment kind of a thing. It's so most people, and I, it's so annoying that even in the Maya protocol, which uses cacao as a gas token and uses it to pay people out in, but like the they have an investment token called Maya. That if you buy Maya, you get ten percent of all the fees that go in, or you can LP and whatever. That's the way to speculate on its success. But people still just want to buy and hold cacao. Like why? I think it's it's so frustrating, and they have a very well set up system. I would call dash i don't know if i call it not a well set up system but for the current realities of crypto speculation it's it sucks when you try to get someone to use dash and then the price goes down by like 13 percent because of some like whale dumped and now that they can't buy their groceries the same way it affects the actual end user product to a certain extent and uh so the thing with this whole speculation thing, um the whole price thing the average the problem is the average dash holder is not going to see these raw data what what you're pulling right now at least they're not going to see the positive effects of that because that's all going to be to dash in, in a proper investor so what you're supposed to invest which is by getting into like master nodes and actually running the infra behind mm-hmm. this kind of stuff so if that's the kind of that's kind of interesting. So it, the the actual price does have to be affected at some point, but the point is, as the as there is attraction to capturing these economic gains by participating in infra, they they would they need to pump the price to get into that, and then that will affect the average user. So I guess that's that little range yeah there.
1: And you know, I don't think we can educate our way into getting more users. I don't think that works as a strategy. Uh, you know, um, if you've seen, you know, Silicon Valley, I think that's about how it goes. Um, what I, what I do think is possible though, is to, uh, maybe make this, maybe somebody, some small number of people in a position to, um, to do something, to build something on top of this might see it and, mm-hmm. um, re realize the, the potential of of some of this um some of how this is set up Mm -hmm. um what i could see is if you you know say you're uh you know a vc looking for something to invest in um you look at crypto and what do you have you know there's not a good way for venture capital to really interact directly with blockchains Uh, you know venture capitalists aren't looking to buy a pile of coins and sit on it they want to invest in a company that they get equity in Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why we've ended up with a bunch of companies that really want to push things like custodial services off chain because they want to try to capture as much of what's going on on the on those coins as possible uh they don't want it to be a free decentralized thing that every everybody else can uh you know that the network as a whole benefits from they want to have an outsized gain for putting in their money
0: and as a brief interjection Um, to support that point you just made um as the previous show I did today, one of them was talking about Coinbase Commerce going in exactly that direction, where right now they exclusively support payments by either their own customers mm-hmm. or by users of EVM L2s, of which they have one, of course, and they'd rather use theirs. And then, of course, all of Lightning is very centralized or custodial at the worst, but at the best, centralized and Blockstream is really pushing its liquid sidechain, which is, again, a federated, tightly controlled company, almost the entirety of the crypto space, as far as market cap is concerned, I would say 80% or more, I haven't done the math, but 80% or more, is invested in L2, what I would call captured kind of scaling. And that's kind of like, that's why that's bleeding out, because there's so much money to be made by capturing that, by camping out on it. Now, there is a lot of money to be made if, like, I think the Dash way, and I'm not just saying the Dash way, it's also the Solana way, also the Bitcoin Cash way, also the, you know, that kind of way could be immensely profitable, too, if you run the base infrastructure. But the problem is it's it's harder to capture that for just you. You'd have to share it with anyone who wants to run a node, which sounds great for us, but, you know
1: it uh it isn't anymore though um and i think the advantage the advantage dash has is actually that it's really undervalued uh, at mm-hmm. this point of if, if if somebody in venture capital wanted to come in they could basically just buy a bunch of dash from to run master nodes for themselves and that would be essentially the same as buying a huge chunk of equity in the dash network and then they could fund a team to build whatever they want to on top of dash um mm-hmm. And you know, w- would that be, you know it, it'd be a slightly different set of pros and cons versus versus equity in a regular company. Uh, but there's some distinct advantages there, and I, I I think that's you know you can't you can't do that to like Dogecoin, not only because it doesn't have masternodes, but it's already at a 12 billion dollar market cap. It's mm-hmm. too much money, and there's no direct way to have you know a share and it's not only a share it's a voting share you know mm-hmm. you get to have an influence on the network you get to directly benefit from activity that that you create on the network blockchain um, does
0: rug you you know,
1: <laughs> yeah you you know you got a company maybe it's invested in some some other startups that build things on blockchains mm-hmm. well what's more efficient to build things on a blockchain that doesn't store all your data that has super fast cheap transactions or to build one on you know Ethereum or an, an Ethereum clone that's going to be insanely expensive at scale. Uh, so I think there's some synergy opportunities there. if you if you if the right person in the right place realizes uh, how far their capital could go inside of Dash, um, I, I think there's some opportunities there. There's also just the, you know, um, just realizing how much scale could be um, achieved with Dash. I, I think over time we could just attract any use case that's that's actually serious because the other payment networks, for the most part, are not long-term sustainable. They don't have economic models that that really make sense. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that Bitcoin Cash or Dogecoin can't work or that Litecoin can't work long-term. They could. I I think they can
0: just not as elegantly designed.
1: I think there's a lot of problems they're going to have because of lack of governance and because of the way their economic model works and doesn't uh, doesn't directly support the node infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, initially Satoshi's initial model was was very much all about the mining, but I I think I think the fork that happened to Bitcoin really shows how disconnected mining can be from the wants and needs of the investors and the users on the network um i think what happened to bitcoin very clearly doesn't advantage anyone who actually wants to use bitcoin for anything mm-hmm. uh but the users didn't have any say um and bitcoin cash split but they didn't really fix the problem because the users on bitcoin cash still don't have any say
0: yeah uh, that's kind of a elephant in the room a little bit you know um well, do, do you want to hit on the final three slides or not? There's the cost of mining at scale. Uh yeah, so that, uh, yeah. So that,
1: yeah, those three yeah, are from a video I did these. on, um, on the cost. This is looking at the mining cost. So the other mm-hmm. half of the equation, oh. as far as uh, Bitcoin goes, and then I add some other coins in there uh, at the end. So yeah, this is just the cost of Bitcoin. Uh, mining and the reason it goes down in a few places is because that's where the halving is on Bitcoin. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, So pretty straightforward stuff there. Bitcoin gets expensive as, as you exponentially scale it in order to, Mm -hmm. to pay that mining. That's money that's largely going out of the network. Mining is relatively low margin. Basically all the money that you're sending to miners goes to pay to buy miners and to buy electricity um in a lot of cases uh they might even be losing money Mm -hmm. um depending on who they are and what their situation is uh so this is money that largely is not staying in the bitcoin network it's immediately leaving bitcoin so i think it's very important to look at that cost and and uh you have to consider whether or not that's a cost that's economically viable for you to pay long term
0: yeah Um, so then we have the cost of mining per Bitcoin transaction and it's the same. It looks like the same chart, right? But it's, the yeah. Same, I mean, you're
1: looking idea. 45 to $60 billion and it's, it's just, it's an absurd price point. So the cost uh, of big. And so Bitcoin is the only coin I could do this per transaction comparison on mm-hmm. because it's transactions on chain are essentially limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get up in the, what is it? two hundred. 200 to $260 uh, per transaction just to yeah. support mining. Now that that's the bare minimum to keep the network running yeah, that's a, as the blocks half. So, you know, uh, it, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. It's, of course. you know, ho- hopefully that's kind of self-explanatory as, as far as, yeah all that money has to come from somewhere for bitcoin to maintain its price while in adding transactions um yeah so so anyway here we hit the
0: cost of commercial banking versus dash and dogecoin and bitcoin is an interesting one Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so there's a few things here uh you might notice that dash becomes briefly more expensive than bitcoin at the very end and that's mainly an artifact of uh, how I chose to scale the numbers, Mm um, by just doing a flat doubling every year that Mm -hmm. combined with where the halvings have to be. Um, it's kind of arbitrary, um, and they're both expensive. Um, so, uh, but dash is cheaper for a long, long time. And Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's i I think that if we got to the 2031 to 2032 era where we're between half the size of visa and the size of Mm visa um that dash might need to slightly adjust its economic model um Mm -hmm. if we want to be more you know more cost competitive than than say bitcoin at that model uh yeah but yeah i mean bitcoin can't reach that level but let's say bitcoin cash or something say they manage to survive and keep the the network running despite these pretty insane costs up until that point they might actually become cheaper than than dash at that point uh, assuming that it's reachable for any of the networks Mm -hmm. um but if you compare this to uh i put i think that's the market cap of um uh the current us banking sector which is also kind of arbitrary it does things crypto doesn't do sure yeah of course um but it's showing you the the relative um, the relative cost, and uh, um, you know both Dash and Bitcoin are greatly below that, and mm-hmm. um, you know any any other coin that worked on a similar model would be. Uh, this is actually where you see Dogecoin kind of lose it because of the inflation <laughs> in Dogecoin, yeah. uh, which I commonly tell people is really not a big deal um, mm-hmm. because it is uh, it's a a vanishingly small percentage of the Dogecoin that yeah. that becomes created. Um, so, this really, you know, at some point it seems like it, it becomes a problem here in dollars, but we have to remember that dollars are not a stable value. Of course. <laughs> well, um, stable and coin. It, you know, if Dogecoin is doing a considerable percentage of the world's transactions, um, You know, things things get a little bit weird at the end there. So, I mean, the last couple of years of this slide are really crazy town. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I should have included them, except that that's the set of data I used for the beginning. Um, The bottom line. (laughs) Yeah. Finish.
0: Hit me with your bottom line.
1: (laughs) The bottom line here is that that uh, the crypto networks can be vastly cheaper than commercial banking. Um, and Dash is actually set up pretty well for all but the most extreme case there, um, and that's something that could probably be addressed uh, pretty easily at that time.
0: Yeah, of course, and I'm sure there's different um, optimizations that haven't been even been thought about. I'm sure that there's a way that you could, uh, you know, you could process just like transaction batching type stuff. There's,
1: I mean, you don't even need to because this is mining fee uh, yeah. stuff. So you could you could honestly just uh delete the block reward at a certain point. hmm Yeah. And you'd have so much money from uh from actual transactions that you wouldn't need it.
0: Yeah, that would be you know, would be interesting. Uh, so as we kind of get to wrap this up, let me hit on um one time he says another thing here. He said when master accounts keep going down, all those collateralized coins get sold into the circulating supply, which hurts the price. In the future, eventually the master rewards alone won't sustain enough masternodes, right? Is the masternode blockchain design flawed for this reason? Um, I think that no. that's, that's purely speaking on the issuance, the inflation that goes down. And as when the chart, when we're pointing out like the profitability goes down and then starts going up is when you start to have enough profitability in that to where now you have an actual reason to do a lot of this at scale. Um and also this whole chart, this entire discussion has been a um has been based on payments, right? On just like payments mm-hmm. use case. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's some people in the core team, and of course obviously me I'm also looking into it as I try to understand the platform and what it can do better once it once the evolution's out. But we're looking to talk to a few big like Vendors that would use it for data and stuff like that, like a big company that would use. So you onboard one company like that, you have just this giant chunk or this big chunk of extra um, on EVO chain activity, right? And which does correlate to on chain transactions and fees and stuff like that. So the whole the whole platform part of things is, I guess, a much easier nut to crack. It sounds like as far as putting numbers on the board there. And at that point, mastering profitability could not have that dip, right? Or even node, I would say profitability mm-hmm. since it's technically a different node. But but yeah, that just sort of addresses that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the more people sell nodes, the more profitable the remaining nodes are. I I think it, it balances out. Um, mm-hmm. If people feel like there's more gains to be had somewhere else, uh, they're probably going to consider that. And I, I don't think uh, Dash has... Uh, A lot of public mindshare is like the most stable, secure thing to invest in. Um, I think if you can build user base and become a more stable, well-known thing to invest in, then uh, that's going to, you know, it's going to maybe get you more users than just the percentage would. But I also think there's a lot of potential to build tools on top of Dash that allow people to... um, To use maybe make dash a a more of a part of the uh the defy space i I floated an idea a while back about you know throwing loaned uh loaned money against bitcoin on a on a thor chain contract into a you know a master node into like a uh crown node or something Mm. um i i think you could do some interesting things there that would allow people to have um benefit from the dash gains and
0: yeah, and um, an interesting part of this whole thing is yield from Dash and obviously if masternodes slash nodes are the only source mm-hmm. of yield on your Dash and they're not generating transaction revenue at some point then mm-hmm. yes, you would have that decrease but part of the reason why I'm big into the Maya protocol is mm-hmm. that recaptures a lot of that value from people making money on exchanges, exchanging Dash um, They it actually puts that back in the average dash holder's hands to where the more exchange volume you take from let's just say Binance and put it onto Maya, the average dash holder can throw money into that liquidity pot there and earn it. And then that is competing versus the masternode APYs. And then even though the masternode rewards go down over time, the that um, if it goes up on the other Maya side at the same time it kind of would even out for example or and then you add in transaction fees and you add in like data providers and stuff using evolution and all that and that starts to to build on all that utility and then it just starts going up from there so that's just kind of a quick uh addressing of the one-time thing um as we sort of um wrap this thing up right um then the the it seems like the game plan then which i'd love to do another podcast at some point and who knows who would be with i'm sure i could rope you in on it maybe do like a panel almost of the game plan moving forward and obviously we we have a much vaguer game plan and some departments have much more specific game plans but it seems like start getting a lot more massive user growth and i i'm working on that now um one thing i'm focused because we're going to The Fees aren't going to amount to much until you have a lot of growth. And so I think the first thing is put a lot of wins on the board for user growth. Even if they're not titanic, just show growth and excitement of use and all that kind of stuff. That does get, at some point, it gets VC type or investors, like long-term investors, seeing, oh, this doesn't just have potential. The potential can be realized and is being realized. I can still be early. And then after that, then you get retail speculators coming in and that also pushes the price up, of course, from seeing, oh, look, a lot of people are paying with this stuff. But also one reason why I'm really uh, pursuing the affiliate approach kind of thing is you can get revenue relatively quickly from relatively small amounts of user growth because that revenue doesn't have to come from. Dash only, it's on the companies that use Dash, such as BitRefill, such as Spritz, such as Coinex, like a centralized exchange, such as the Maya Protocol, such as all these other sources. And if we, every time you get a Dash user, you get one of those users too. And every time you get one of those users, if they trace it to us through our efforts, then we get paid and then we can reinvest that in user growth. And so we don't have to like just suck from the treasury for all of our user growth if we're providing value to external businesses and partners. And so that's just kind of like how that part of things works. And um, I guess another interesting conversation we should have in the future is um, what is the product that people will buy? Obviously, instant payments and all that stuff is great. Usernames helps. Improving privacy might help, but like what's the what's the set of products that would really make people want to do this kind of stuff. And yeah, that's, that's interesting enough. Okay. We probably have to to cap that off right now. Parting words. What do you say?
1: Keep it dashy.
0: Yes. Actually, we should say actually stay dashy. Stay dashy. (laughs) And don't, don't stay Mark Money Mason as a little dig to you know our fallen comrade who didn't stay dashy unfortunately rest in peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. rest in peace um anyway uh thanks for watching everyone like comment share subscribe if you are into the after party um uh, come join that if you know you know if you don't you're not invited um <laughs> get into the after party um i'll be chatting with you guys soon um i'll see you guys in i guess a month mm-hmm. and yeah absolutely let me know wherever you can who you'd like to have on next to talk about whatever. And don't say quantum with when Evo, because yes, that's always in the back of my head. So that's always there. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. See you.